Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. I hope you're well. Thank you very much for joining us on this payroll-focused podcast today. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners, and as I said, I'm very happy to have you here, but I'm also happy to have a couple of guests from Lace Partners on the show today. Uh, we'll start off with the youngest, who's just turned 30, bless him. It's uh, Adam Morris. You all right, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, Chris. I'm very good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Just off of air, we were just taking the mickey of young Mr. Morris because myself and uh, Mr. Kirby, Chris Kirby, who's one of the directors here at Lace, were telling him how it, do- it all goes downhill from here, mate, because we're approaching, <laughs> rapidly approaching 40, aren't we, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah, it is absolutely all downhill, Adam, I'm afraid. <laughs> Optimism at the start of the podcast. I love it. <laughs> as always, as always. But we, this is going to be an optimistic podcast. We're going to be talking about payroll and specifically managing the business case for changing your payroll providers. And that's where I'm going to, for large parts of today's podcast, defer to the experts, Chris and Adam, to talk us through just general thoughts. Before we go into that, though, let's do a bit of a credentials check and we'll go back to Adam. Do you want to just explain to the listeners a little bit about what you do and your kind of areas that you focus on at Lace. Sure. So, um, so my name's Adam Morris. I'm, I'm a manager here at Lace Partners, and um, focusing mainly on HR and payroll transformations, and particularly with a focus on on operating models and, and total operating models, how to deliver value and benefit through the entire operating model, including and um, including payroll. Mr. Kirby. So yeah, I'm a senior manager at Lace, uh, focusing on payroll transformation within the HR transformation work. I've only actually just joined, as you know, I've only been at Lace for a, for a month or so with uh, 18 years, I think it is now, of operational payroll experience um, and, and some senior, pretty pretty senior operational roles. Um, I've obviously been focused on transformation work since that. So for the last six or seven years, I've been a consultant. Um, and very much my focus, as I said, at LACE is on the, the payroll transformation side. Cool. So let's kick off and start off really. I mean, we've titled this podcast The Business Case for Change, but let's dial it back just from that. What are the kind of key common points that you both come across with regards to why businesses are looking to change their payroll providers? So, Ad, do you want to kick us off with just some of the things that you've spoken to with regards to clients that we've worked with or even before when you were working before Lace? So I think that the... um... There's obviously a number of issues within payroll. I think clearly the, the, the largest one that we've been through and um, recently is obviously COVID, and and that's brought up a number of, of, of issues. I do think that there are and um, the the issues that COVID has brought up though has has shown underlying issues that already existed with it within payroll. And I think Chris Kirby, with his operational knowledge, will will be able to say this that payroll is kind of muddled through in in the past and where issues have been presented is kind of found a best fix for those but it's been too busy actually in the delivery of payroll and I think what COVID has done as it sh- is it's shown where a number of those issues have kind of are now at a, p- a point where they do need to be addressed so I think one of them is the kind of local versus regional versus global payroll for organizations that span 
multiple locations how are those going to align in, in into one service and actually how do you align your controls and your compliance across those different regions and i think where payroll has has maybe muddled through previously is that you know there's set up shadow payroll organizations or there's been multiple different vendors and it's actually you know so long as those vendors are are, are delivering payroll it's been kind of hard to deliver to identify you know what service are they delivering is it a consistent service across your organization is there a consistent cost actually across your organization for per, per uh, employee and per um, pay slip so i think that's a good example of maybe where covid and the different levels of uh, regulation and legislation that's been brought in across different regions and different countries and different jurisdictions has kind of identified to, to HR finance and payroll payroll professionals maybe where improvement needs to be made. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you if you have a similar view on that as well. Yeah, I think Adam, I think that's right, and I think what we've seen as a result, I think to, the traditional issues, if you like, are still there. So the you know the, the errors, um, audit, risk, focus, you know things of payroll fraud and etc. Um, the focus on efficiency and, and obviously the focus on cost, and I think those sort of higher level things feed into what you've just said. You know specifically around you know globalization and do do we have a global payroll? Do we have a local payroll? How do we work? You know a lot more streamlined and, and smoother and more efficient. But I think, as you've sort of alluded to, there's a new dimension now. And I think one of the questions people are looking at is, what does my payroll look like in five years? And, and COVID, I think in particular, has been a big part of that. So I think what we've seen in particular, just to use one key example is a, a focus on data and the requirement of data to support all of the stuff that I think COVID's thrown at organisations and, and ultimately it's turning into a bit of a cliche for us sort of old payroll folk if you like but you know the payroll is the only place that all of that data really resides so people are starting to look at their payroll teams and say actually do we have a more outwardly folk facing role for these guys to play going forwards and therefore the more transactional the the back end sort of activity do we need to look at how that's done do we need to enhance the role that providers are playing etc cetera, etc cetera? I think that's just a good a good point there as well in terms of the general HR operating model as well so if we think about how you know I think payroll historically has been treated very separately and I think that that we can see this from maybe this this podcast as well this is a, a payroll podcast but actually if we think about the HR operating model and to Chris's point about where data reside hr data resides you know it shows that actually payroll is really really central to firstly to the hr operating model but also the experience that hr operating model pro provides and actually you know one of the the most important and key places where employees touch upon hr is reading their payslip getting paid reading their payslip understanding what's involved in that payslip and, and actually that money hit, hit, hitting their bank account and i think that you know if we think about where what we want to focus on in the next five years. Personally, I would like to maybe see two things. I'd like to see that HR and um, payroll op models maybe be brought closer together and maybe seen as less as separate and maybe more as one. And I think you can include, you know, where, where payroll sits in by finance function. I think you can include that as well. Maybe where you have a HR finance and payroll functions that are, are much closer together in the, in this aspect. And secondly, also the experience that that provides that, you know, where you're having your, your experience with regards to your HR operating model, trying to make processes easy, trying to make data under, easily understandable and easily accessible. Actually, that's what we want from payroll as well. We want that, you know, people to be able to easily access their what their pay slips, easily able to understand those, and easily be able to manage and, and, and transact on their on their payroll 
as they as they require. So sorry, I, I know I interrupted you there, but I think that's just that's an important point if we think about this holistically from from what Chris said there. No, brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant, Adam. So that's kind of like the reasons that we've just touched on there for why businesses are starting to look at that a little bit more. Let's actually dig down into the, the business case side of it and the 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 things that organizations need to be thinking of. And I'll start with you, Chris Kirby. Um, can you just give our listeners just a few kind of pointers as to the, the things that organizations, payroll directors, HR teams, or finance teams need to be thinking of and the questions that they should be asking themselves when they're preparing themselves to write that business case? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, first of all, it's uh, why are you doing it? So why are you even asking that question in the first place? And I think it's really important to be clear from the outset why you're doing it, because, you know, we, all, we I think most people are aware in the industry, payroll traditionally has been a back end thing. And as we've just discussed, it is becoming more prominent because of several different reasons, namely technology and some of the more recent issues we face. But traditionally being a back end point, I think the, the more you progress with a with the discussions around a payroll business case, the more angles you see, the the more different perspectives people tend to come in with different requirements of, of a payroll provider and a payroll function. Um, and it's very important from the off to understand why you're doing it, because it's important to retain remain focused on achieving that. I think one of the softer sort of operational um, aspects that I think I often put a lot of weight on is what do you need from a provider? And that sounds really obvious. Um, the obvious answer is that we need them to run payroll, but but it's much bigger than that. So what else do you need? Do you have expertise currently from a provider or from third parties even, or indeed have you retained in-house expertise? If you're looking from a cost perspective and potentially you know losing resources or whatever, do you need to replace something other than just transactional running payroll and, and the day-to-day -day stuff? There's the ownership of things like data and controls within payrolls. So it's fine to say somebody's running a payroll, but in you know if you look at it at a very high level, a payroll is a chunk of inputs, a calculation, and a chunk of outputs. Now, where that the ownership of that process starts and finishes is is up for debate, and it's you need to be very clear around what you're expecting of a provider before you you, you begin this process. For for more agile and larger companies, typically, um, do you need change support? So it, it's not just a day to day BAU process, the running of the payroll and the ownership of the payroll. For companies where there's constant change, you need somebody who you can work with and who can support that change and isn't you know isn't going to cause a problem either budgetary or or logistically in that um and also just things like queries you know what level do you need your supplier to answer queries etc and i think i've i've said a fair bit there on the what do you need from a provider the last thing i'd say before i hand over to adam to get get some, some additional uh, points is i think it's really important to do a kind of health check as well on your payroll function because often and, and one of the things that i've seen is people think that they need to change provider or they think they need to outsource or whatever it may be and actually there's like and it may well be that they still do but there's probably efficiencies and optimization that can happen internally um and it's very important i think to look at your payroll function our process is manual and broken is third-party technology causing you challenges um because ultimately things like that are going to remain challenges whatever the final solution so i think it's really important to to take that internal view before you commence and just assume that your answer is a changing provider yeah i i i'd agree with with what chris kirby said there i think that for me when i when i approach well, any hr transformation and including payroll i always like to think of it in almost kind of sort of four 
through four lenses. Two of them are, are kind of very traditional for payroll in terms of, you know, your cost. How much does it cost to run your payroll? What's cost per, per payslip, for example? And the second is compliance. You know, are we meeting the, you know, exactly the, the points Chris raised earlier around, you know, are we guarding against payroll fraud? Are we meeting the legislative uh, needs? And But I think there's two others as, as, as well. One is the experience, and I mentioned that slightly earlier. What is the experience that we want to deliver with our with our payroll? And uh, the, the fourth is val uh, value. What is the value that actually this payroll service is delivering to the business? How are we aligning to our organizational organization? organizational goals. And exactly as, as Chris said, I think it's important to take that view of your payroll function as an entirety, both internally, internally and externally, and, and think about, you know, are our processes, are our processes aligned to what our organization wants? And I think we focused a lot on large organizations that, or I focused maybe on, on larger organizations that have um, spanned across borders, where, you know, if we have, for example, one, a strategy that is regionally based and looking at, looking at maybe Europe, versus Americas, you know, do you want to have within your Europe area function, lots of different payroll strategies and lots of different payroll processes? Probably not. You want to try and maybe align those um, slightly better. So that's maybe how the how the value and experience piece can, can come in as well when thinking about your payroll function sort of holistically. And then more pointedly on on actually selecting a provider, I think then it, you can you can then use those rules and use those assumptions and use those design principles that you created for your entire function, then to select the best provider for you. I think we had a, a, had a client a, a, an example who picked one provider based on you know the cost was the lowest, the compliance was you know was was, was very good. They seemed to be getting a good deal in terms of efficiency of, of what that provider was was providing. And actually, when when we spoke to them, what we found was actually no, they, what they were worrying about was the service that that payroll provider was providing wasn't aligned to the experience that they wanted to provide wasn't aligned to the wasn't aligned to, to their business strategy and, and who they wanted to be as a HR function and as a, and as a payroll function so I think you know it's very basic but to agree to, to Chris Kirby's point if you if you look at your payroll function holistically look at it internally as well as externally and I think if you use you know you want to use those four lenses I think that's a good, very good and basic place to start. Yeah, completely. Uh, again, Adam, completely agree. And I think just to reiterate a point I touched on earlier, I think part of that lens in terms of the internal, external uh, and the lenses through which you need to look at your payroll function, I think it is it's turning more into a forward looking thing now as opposed to a, a backwards looking lens, because traditionally, again, I think people have looked at and sort of started embarking on these questions and decisions when there's been an issue and I think what people are now starting to do is look at it as Adam touched on there and as I sort of referred to earlier through a different lens and you've got all the modern um, you know the today's sort of issues around even things like I touched on data data health earlier and, and supporting the business but also things like financial well-being and there's companies that I, I've seen and, and come across who are even looking at whether payroll can support in that thing you know I know mental health for example is a big thing you know in the broader HR space and, and very much payroll has a role to play in that side of things as well. Definitely so what I wanted to do now is just ask a couple of questions if you guys obviously can't name specific companies but have you got any examples in your kind of mind's eye of businesses that you've seen and you've worked with that have got it right and are there any traits or bits that our listeners can kind of pick up on as the don't do this or don't do that, do this kind of approach. Um, Adam, I don't know if you want to just kick us off with anything, any instances where you said these guys are doing it right and they're doing it well and why? Yeah, so I think I refer actually back to to the, the example I alluded to um, just a moment ago in terms of 
Um, so we had a client who came to us and um, had a long standing relationship with a payroll provider cross borders. That provider, again, was able to was able to provide them with a good service that you know was cost efficient, met all the compliance needs in the countries that they that they worked in. But they were still unhappy with with that provider. And that we came in and and and, and we, we, we spoke to them. And what we found was there was there was two things. Firstly, as we've already alluded to, there was actually a lot internally that needed to be improved and actually processing internally and um, was something and um, was something that they that they needed to be improved improved upon potentially capability within the team internally that linkage between hr and, and, and payroll really needed to be improved and that data quality between hr and payroll needed to be improved so that was the first thing that, that we looked at and i think that's the probably the first tip that we've already alluded to is you know before you go out and start looking at providers start looking at looking at yourselves and go go back to basics look at the data look at the processes look at who you get that data from and where you pass that data to and say where maybe where are the breakages in that link and the second thing that they then what they then looked at doing was they went back to that payroll provider and kind of started to say right what are we now happy with that payroll provider in terms of the service that they're providing and it was actually the the kind of the relationship management and the the, the service management that was the issue for them and it was the experience that they were receiving from that provider you know it was the te technological interface it was you know how their employees were being presented their payroll and how that was linking in with all the other hr information that they get bombarded with um, every single week and and so actually what they ended up doing was going with a with a, a, a separate course of, with a provider who you know was potentially maybe slightly more expensive but actually do provide that better uh, sense of experience it fit in with with their organizational goals and again it fit in with who they wanted to be they wanted to as a hr function wanted to provide an excellent service to their employees their finance function wanted to provide an excellent service to their employees payroll therefore has to want to provide that that excellent service and they, they couldn't they realized they couldn't just focus on cost they couldn't just focus on compliance they ordered also needed to focus on that service aspect as well brilliant and chris from your perspective have you got any examples you can give us i have but i, I guess there's a danger that you know have, having been through some of the questions that we've, we've said people should uh, be asking themselves and listening to adam's example i think it's it's probably shining through that we're speaking from experience when we come up with those questions and i i think to be honest it, it is those buckets that adam's already covered as long as those things are done well so you're looking at your sort of broader picture your internal processes your your uh, more holistic view of payroll and and your you're taking account of both the financial and the non-financial financial sort of benefits and challenges that you're that you're, you're facing and, and want to achieve. I think as long as those things are done well, I think pretty much any example I can come up with is going to be the same the same sort of framework. So yeah, at the risk of repeating, Adam, I, I think I'll avoid that and I'll just I'll just yeah I'll leave it there. Brilliant. Now, lads, it's been really, really good to have you on. Thank you very much for your insights. If you would like to uh, listen to this podcast or other podcasts, we'll be doing quite a few um, payroll-related podcasts. We're going to look at a few different topics over the coming months. So I'm sure you will hear the dulcet tones of Messrs. Morris and Kirby once again. Adam, thank you very much for coming on and uh, joining us today. Thank you. And Chris, pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>